Well, hello from a log cabin in Washington State. I'm Ken Armstrong, and uh, we're here to talk about some of the facts that are facing the, the nation right now. Um, this is a first, uh, our new podcast. In the future, they'll be a little bit longer, and we'll, we'll have some very interesting guests joining us. But we wanted to get started this week and just uh, let you get familiar with me and, uh, and, and talk a little bit about what's going on and, and, uh, and, and what I think some of the solutions are to the situations that we find ourselves in. So obviously right now, the big news is the coronavirus. We'll certainly talk about that and about uh, government response to that. I wanna delve a little bit into experience and how experience matters and why experience matters. And I want to talk a little bit about my perspective on the Constitution of the United States. As a libertarian, that's a that's actually a controversial subject. I, I frankly don't think it should be, but it is a controversial subject inside the Libertarian Party. And I want to share with you why I think it's important for us to look to the Constitution for our guidance. So we'll be talking about those topics and, and probably more today. I have my trusty tablet here next to me and I, I follow the news and I'll be looking at the headlines. We'll talk about those things as we go along. Um, so let's talk a little bit about experience and why it matters. Um, we have <clears throat> libertarian candidates these days proposing everything from a total dissolution of the United States government to default on our promises to the people, uh, all kinds of, of ideas of what the president would do when, uh, when they're elected to office. And the fact of the matter is that we need to stop promising things to the American people that we can't deliver on. So let's, let's talk about what the president really can do and really should be doing and why I think the Constitution is important. First of all, the notion of dissolving the country into 50 separate nations. Right now, we're looking at the results of the coronavirus and 90% of all Americans right now are locked into their homes under orders of their governors. This is a perfect example of why we need to rely on the Constitution of the United States and not let 50 governors go off rogue running their own little empires. Because what we're seeing right now happening to the American people is just a microcosm of what would happen if we dissolved the union and, and set these states free. Uh, on the other hand, we're looking at a president who made an announcement two days ago that his authority is absolute that he has authority over the governors and he can tell the governors what to do. And they know that as president, his authority is absolute. So we've got governors running rogue. We've got a president who's never bothered to read the 10th amendment to the constitution or article one, section eight. And, and this is the result that we get from a government that's not held accountable. And folks, you're the ones, you're the ones who are supposed to be holding the government accountable. In fact, 
uh, in the Declaration of Independence, which is, in my mind, our most precious founding document, it says, when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce you and me under absolute despotism, it's our right, it's our duty to throw off such government and provide new guards for our future security. In other words, it's not just your right to get rid of that government, it's your duty. And, and you know the non-aggression principle, for those of you libertarians who are listening who hold the non-aggression principle dear as I do, it's the cornerstone of, of libertarian thinking. It really is. I've heard people say, oh no, it's just something they threw in at the last minute. It's actually the cornerstone of everything that our thought process is built on, that we don't have the right to harm other people, and that the, the role of government is really just nothing more than to make sure that that happens. And so holding the, the, the non-aggression principle dear means it's our duty to make sure that the tyrants who are running the show right now, who are doing the things that they're doing, are held accountable. And now I have a lot of, I've talked to people every day about what's going on with this virus and how the government is responding. And I have a lot of people say to me, but Ken, we need to protect people. We need to lock down and protect people. And you know what? There might be some truth to that, but it's not up to the government to tell us how to do it. It's up to the government to give us the information to protect ourselves. It's up to we, the people, to make decisions about how we handle the information we're given. The minute we say, in a crisis, the Constitution goes out the window, in that minute, the Constitution no longer matters because on a day-to-day -day basis, when things are going, you don't, you don't dig out the Constitution when you're going to Walmart to, you know, oh, let's see what the Constitution says about whether I follow the traffic signals today. Or, you don't do that, you know? You dig out the Constitution when something big happens, like when an impeachment happens. And, and you know, the president is saying, I have the right to withhold information from, from Senate. Oh, 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 no, you don't. You, you don't have that right. We have checks and balances in government. I agree that, that the, the impeachment show was a circus, that it was politically motivated. But the president of the United States, if he had nothing to hide, should have simply made a clean breast of, of all of his information, let Senate know what was going on in the administration as they have a right to know, and, and let the chips fall where they may. But we have a president who doesn't respect the Constitution, and he's proving it now by saying things like his power is absolute. That sounds more like a tin pan dictator from a developing nation somewhere than it does the president of the United States. But unfortunately, we the people have been letting them get away with this kind of nonsense. So this is the situation that we find ourselves in. And this is the situation in which we have a group of really excellent people running for president in the United States inside of the Libertarian Party. But 
again, I come back to this notion of dissolution of the government. First of all, nobody has the authority to do that. Uh, my, my good friend, love the guy, Adam Kokesh, speaks of dissolving the government, creating 50 sovereign states and 562 tribal nations and, and, uh, and divesting. Well, we see right now in this time of crisis, you have people like Governor Kate Brown in Oregon who are just trampling on the rights of the people with with just callous disregard for what really it would keep people safe uh, so where where is all the testing to find out if we're healthy enough to go back to work i mean my goodness we've got we've got developing nations in africa who are doing a better job than the united states is doing right now testing their citizens to find out who's healthy so that people can work. South Korea, a thousand times more effective than the United States, testing the citizens to see who can go back to work. The United States, we're allowing our economic engine not just to sputter, we're killing it. Mom and pop businesses, the 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 heart and soul of our of our economic system are being crushed right now by the inability to make any any money to keep themselves going. A classic example, I have some dear friends right here in Squim, Washington, who own a little business and, and they're inside of a sort of a, a, a mall of businesses and they sell home decor items in their business. Now, under the mandate from the government, their business has been shut down, even though people should have the right to go and, and shop wherever they want. Their business has been shut down and they're not able to make any money at all. They still have to pay rent, by the way, but, they, but they're not deriving any income. Oddly enough, a crosstown Walmart is allowed to stay open because they're an essential business. Now, I suppose they're probably essential because they've got a pharmacy in there and because they they sell groceries and those are things that people really need. <clears throat> but the government didn't say to Walmart, oh, by the way, wall off your home decor section because that's not essential right now and we don't want people walking down non-essential aisles. No, Walmart, the, the world's biggest competitor to mom and pop home decor businesses, is allowed to continue to sell their products and people go in and they go down the aisles and they buy their stuff and inch by inch, minute by minute, they put the mom and pop businesses out of business. And this is happening across the country. News story this morning about the Trump administration uh, bailing out farmers now. Uh, this is a combination of two things. This is a result of both the uh, coronavirus and uh, and the the uh, uh, tariff battle that that the administration has been going through for so long, and now uh, what is it? Fifteen billion dollars the government is going to spend bailing out an industry that it caused to to be in the situation that it's in, because people aren't able to buy their products. They're in, a, in an increased slump, but even rolling back before that, because President Trump got himself into a trade war with China, uh, <clears throat> it has caused, there's ripple effects 
to the government controlling trade. Um, I'm not going to give you an economics lesson right now. A lot of you are smarter on this than I am, but there are ripple effects to, to trade. And when the president uh, has a trade war with China, it affects Germany, which is already having, uh, you know, they, they've had economic issues uh, because of what's been going on in the EU and with their own uh, internal uh, issues in the country. And, and so our trade war with China affects Germany, which has been in, in the last few decades, one of the most robust economies in the world, now uh, suffering because of our trade war with China. And, and so Germany doesn't buy certain products from us and that, that trade is affected. Uh, the same with Spain and with other countries, it's, you know, it goes around the world, but it's because we're tinkering with the balance of trade rather than just allowing trade to seek its own natural level. You know, folks, the reason the United States is a robust economy is not because we've got a brilliant government controlling everything. It's because we've got a broad, diverse people, enormous resources of, of intellect and natural resources and huge arable lands and all of these things have made us a robust economy in the world. Our government taking over and tinkering with it, which is something that started at the early part of the 20th century. Before that, our government didn't didn't do too much with uh, with trade, except uh, you know the, a few tariffs and uh, and and duty coming into the country. There was you know customs and and all of that kind of thing. But basically, if an American businessman wanted to buy space on a ship and bring something from a foreign land and and do business and sell it he was able to do that and if he wanted to put his products on a ship and send them overseas someplace he was able to do business uh and and sell his products that way started sort of around the time of the spanish-american war and 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 into the beginning of the 20th century that government started taking increasing control of what's going on overseas and as a result of this tinkering that the government does with our international trade we've ended up in this mess where now we've got to bail out our farmers 15 billion dollars we've got to buy product that the american people aren't really using and i don't blame our farmers for this folks don't don't say that i'm down on farmers i'm down on the government that's created a situation where the farmers can't just make the best money that they could make for the product that they're willing to sell. That's all I'm asking for. You know, they've got the land, they've got the livestock, they've got the, the they've got the things that they need to do business. We've got a hungry world that should be eating up the product of American farmers. And the government is tinkering with it so bad that what we've got is a $15 billion bailout. And you know it's not going to begin or end at $15 billion. But but that's what we're talking about now. All because of government tinkering in the situation. You know, this, this notion of balance of trade and that we need to insist on, on a balance of trade with foreign countries. Think about this. If you've got, you know, more money than anybody else in your town, who's going to spend more money in your town? You are, right? 
if we are the wealthiest, most productive nation on the planet, and we're doing business with countries all over the planet, who is going to sell more and who is going to buy more? The consumer that has the most money is going to buy more. And so we spend more money around the planet than than our neighbor countries do. Even China, which is, you know, arguably the, the, the number two economy on the planet right now. Um, but it, it only makes sense that in a balance of trade, the one who has the more money to spend is going to spend more. And that balance is, it's never going to reach perfect equilibrium. But our goal is to allow enough freedom in the marketplace that those who have the resources to sell are able to sell and those who have the resources to buy are able to buy and like i say it'll never reach perfect equilibrium because you're always going to have uh, freer nations with more robust economies spending more money than less free nations with less robust economies and and so you know, China has a lot of money, but most of that money is is invested in government and infrastructure. And the citizens of China don't have as much money to spend on American products as American citizens have to spend on Chinese products. Our biggest uh, walk-in retailer in the United States right now, almost every product in the store comes from China. So it makes sense that the trade would not be balanced. But the government is going to continue to tinker with that. Now, let's come back to the situation we're in right now, the, this, this COVID situation. And the government is tinkering with our lives rather than giving us the information we need to freely decide how we're going to handle the crisis that we find ourselves in. And so rather than say, all right, we're the government and, and the chief resource that we have as the government is the ability to create the flow of information. That should be the number one resource that government has. The number one role that, re that, that government has is to protect our general welfare, to keep us safe from invasion and to make sure that, that goods and services can flow freely between the states and 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 across our borders, frankly, um, and and really, there is no other role of government. Those those are the chief roles of government, kind of synopsized Article One, Section Eight. You have in the Thirteenth Amendment of the Constitution, you have the prohibition against slavery, which implies that the government uh, enforces that prohibition. That's one of the few prohibitions in the Constitution and very little that the government is allowed to do constitutionally. But so <clears throat> the government has, has enacted through the states <clears throat> these prohibitions on people's movement and people's activities based on the fact that everyone is presumed to be sick. Why is everyone presumed to be sick, folks? Because the government isn't doing its number one job, the flow of information. So if the government, if the president of the United States, instead of worrying about his ratings and instead of you know arguing about who's the greatest in history and all of that kind of stuff, if he had actually 
sat down and looked at you. Folks, I've seen the federal plans up to and including the level of top secret. You can check my, my, my background. I used to hold a top secret clearance. I'm not going to tell you what's in those plans. I'd go to jail if I did. But I can tell you that I've seen the plans for national disasters up to and including the level of top secret. And what I can tell you is that the most important thing the government could have done when it became apparent that there was a, a, a crisis that involved people being sick is find out who's well. Find out who's well. And you do that by by testing everybody. Senegal knows that. South Korea knows that. Countries all around the world have been testing their citizens like crazy. Where are the tests? We're locking people up. My, my son, whose 28th birthday was yesterday, can't work in his chosen profession as a chef right now because people aren't allowed to go out and eat and the restaurants are shut down. Why? Because somebody might be sick. Not because somebody is sick. That would be one thing. If we're protecting our country against people who are sick, that's a reasonable application of the non-aggression principle. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about protecting the country from people who might be sick. That's what the Patriot Act did to us, protecting us against people who might be terrorists. We don't know that they're terrorists. You know, uh, the, the, the president's speech when he was a candidate. Well, you know, those people coming up from Mexico, they're, they're rapists and they're murderers. And I don't know, some of them might be good people. We, we presume the worst. Uh, in, in Hawaii, where my son lives right now, you can't go out and sit on the beach all alone because of social distancing. You'll get cited or arrested or whatever they're doing over there right now, but you can't go sit on a beach all alone, even though CDC tells us that the best way to fight coronavirus is fresh air, warm, warm air, and, and sunlight. I guarantee you that's what it looks like on a beach in Hawaii. I lived there for 10 years. I lived right at Waikiki Beach. Fresh air and sunlight, as long as you stay, you know, reasonably spaced from each other, I would be telling people, please go to the beach. But they're arresting people for doing it because government is tinkering with the system, not thinking about what's good for the people, not giving the people the information they need and letting people make the rational and safe decisions that keep their lives going. Now, before somebody says, well, Ken, you're more, you're more concerned about the economy than you are about people living and dying. That's absolutely not the case, but the economy is a life or death matter. Think about this. So we've got wave one right now, which is the, the novel coronavirus, COVID-19. We've got this wave that's hitting the nation right now. By the way, let me let me just divert. We're not even talking about what's going to happen during hurricane and tornado season, which we're about to go into, and, and other disasters which may strike. I, the, the government has shown no indication that they're preparing the people for the inevitable things that happen every year. The fires that have happened in the Northwest for the last dozen years, all of these things, we're not preparing the people for the second wave of, of disasters right now. But so coronavirus is wave number one 
and we're we're dealing with this with the lockdown that's damaging our economy. And most importantly, as I pointed out, it's damaging mom and pop businesses. <clears throat> that's the middle class of our country, and it's local. Local is being damaged to a greater extent than big box national businesses, which, uh, by the way, Costco stays open, Walmart stays open, and I'm not vilifying these people. If they happen to be your employers and you like them, that's great, but they're staying open, and, and these, these big chains are going to have an unnatural benefit for putting their smaller competition out of business. And here's what happens at the local level. <clears throat> Pardon me. You're going to have defaults on loans. You're going to have foreclosures. You're going to have bankruptcies. You're going to have people who just simply have to, to uh, tighten their belts because they can't afford to do all of the things they used to do. People are not going to be going on the vacations that they used to go on which means that the communities like Hawaii, where my son lives, and, and San Diego, and San Francisco, and Seattle, and, and, uh, and, and places all around the country, New Orleans, and, and all kinds of wonderful places that people like to go, those places are going to suffer from the lack of, of free-flowing economy. And it will hit at the local level. It will damage people more at the local level. Now, that's going to mean that the tax money that provides infrastructure uh, for first responders, for emergency services, for, uh, for, for things like your, your traffic lights and your road repairs and, and just all kinds of important infrastructure, bridges. You know, we've got a crisis in our country with bridges that are in terrible disrepair. I'm nervous every time I go over the Golden Gate Bridge these days because I, I, I know what that bridge is looking like. Um, so the infrastructure that provides all of these things is going to suffer from a severe lack of resources. And we can do one of two things. We can take money that we don't have, which is what the federal government has been doing lately to the tune of three and a half billion dollars a day borrowing money that it doesn't have, we can continue to do that until we go into hyperinflation and rampant depression and we end up in a worse boat than, than where we would have been otherwise. Or we just simply don't have the first responders, the safe roads, the highways, the bridges, all of the things that, that we need for, for uh, people to be able to respond to emergencies and that sort of thing. And people are gonna die. They're gonna die in fires. You're going to die of diabetes because uh, they can't get an, an ambulance when they go into, you know, into ketoacidosis. Um, they're, they're going to die of heart disease because an ambulance doesn't show up when, uh, when they go into heart failure or when they have a heart attack. All of these things, there will be a second wave of death because our government has tinkered so much with the system by imposing unconstitutional authority on the people by not giving the people the information they need to be able to make the wise choices and move forward and keep this country going. Because this country, you know, I've been told, Ken, we're a nation of laws. No, we are not. We're a nation of people. If we're a nation of laws, 
then the role of the people is to serve the law. If you're a nation of people, <clears throat> then the role of the law is to serve the people. And the, the law should never be paramount over the people. So, you know, classic example, my son talking about somebody sitting on the beach, we should never say, well, the law says you can't sit on the beach. If it's a safe and a proper thing to do, the law should be serving the people, not the other way around. So here we are in this crisis. One person has, has uh, proposed in their campaign that we divest ourselves of the federal government and the constitution, they proposed that, that 50 separately constituted states take matters into their own hands. We've seen in the last month what happens when the governors of the states take matters into their own hands. We do need a strong guiding document, not a strong guiding central government. We don't need a ham-fisted, heavy-fisted central government, but we do need a strong guiding leading principle in the Constitution of the United States that says this is what governments are allowed to do and this is what they're prohibited from doing and that the people are supreme, that the people are paramount. And unless and until we can, we can have that kind of guidance, if we think that we can break up into 50 separate states and allow them to just do the kind of thing that these governors are doing right now, that's a, that's a formula for disaster. I'm going to be talking more about other concepts within the party and uh, and uh, and and uh, things that are going on in the news today. But this has been my time for today. Uh, it went quickly, I think, because I don't have a hard time talking about the things I'm passionate about. I'm looking forward to having some interesting guests coming up on the podcast in the future. Um, so stay tuned. Uh, uh, you know, check in from time to time and and see who we're going to have. Um, and uh, I, I want to just very quickly uh, remind you that you can find out more information about my campaign for president by going to armstrong2020.com. We are certainly looking for people to help us out with our campaign, anything that you want to do, anything from making phone calls to helping us out with, a, uh, with a, uh, digital media and all kinds of social media and all kinds of solutions. Um, and, uh, and, and folks, honestly, right now in this time, if you're in a situation where you're financially strapped, we, we do understand that. There are people right now who just don't have any financial resources. If you're one of the ones who's been blessed and this situation hasn't hit you hard financially, then I would encourage you, please, to help out the campaigns that you feel most passionate about. Go to armstrong2020.com, hit the Donate Now button, send us a few dollars, help to keep this campaign going so that we can argue for you. And until the next time, I'm Ken Armstrong. Thank you for joining me.